There's a misnomer in the title of the message today. The flooding enemy. How many of you know that he's not real good at flooding? Not really. The devil's not real good at flooding. Not, not when it comes to... If God wants to, to do a flood, he knows how to do a flood. Amen? Uh, you understand what I'm saying? You know, even when the devil's trying to be bad, he's not real good at it. Not really. You know, everything the devil could ever dream up, God has already thought of a plan for it. God's already countered his move, right? That's exciting to me. Over the 40-plus years I've been a believer in Jesus, there have been many times where I've gone through trials, tests, and battles. I'm, I'm the only one too, right? I'm not, right? I can't say that they were fun times, but they were both necessary and a part of building my faith. Just like right now. So let me say that again. I can't say that they were fun times, but they were both necessary and part of the building of my faith to get me where I am today. You know, I'm real excited to say to you, God wasn't going to give you just any pastor. I, I mean, that, that's just the truth. I, no brag, just fact. <laughs> you know, God, God built me and Ruthie, he put us together, and he poured into us what he poured into us so that we could stand in this pulpit today and give you the word that we're giving you. And that's a good thing. I believe it's a good thing. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you can rest assured it's not because, listen to this now, this is an important note. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you can rest assured it is not because you are doing something wrong, but it is because you are doing something right. Get that straight in your heart and mind. You may be thinking, woe is me. Look at everything I'm going through. Look at what's happening. Did you ever stop to think it's because he's trying to stop the good things in your life? Can you say Amen. Say, man, or oh me, it's one or the other, right? So let me encourage you in your spiritual walk and share with you some of the things I've learned about how the enemy attacks you and how you can overcome those attacks. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19, and I'm just going to read my favorite version of it. I think it's King James. I've been reading this since I was a child, since I was a kid. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19. I want to give you plenty of time to get there. And lay your eyes on it. You need to put your eyes on it. Isaiah 59, 19. I love that. I hear pages turning. Go, Jackie. Go, Jackie. <laughs> she don't need a microphone. Isaiah 59, 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Now, look, those first two phrases right there let you know Good things are happening. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. People are praising God. Good things are going on. So what's the response? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. In this verse, we can see that when people start doing the right thing, like being in awe of and acting in reference or reverence to God, then this is when the promise comes into effect because you're going to come under attack. You're going to come under attack when things are going well. How do I know this? Because the enemy does not need to come in like a flood when people are not honoring and serving God. He ain't got no work to do then. You understand what I'm saying? Look, if your life is in a mess right now and you're under attack, you, it's for good reason. 
He's got to try to stop you now before God takes you any deeper. Before God teaches you anything else, you're already dangerous or he would not be coming against you. Now, I saw, I saw um, uh, a, a scholar once was explaining this, and I, 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 do, I will not dismiss it out of hand. I will not. I like it. When the devil comes in, this guy said, if in the original Hebrew, if you read it just right, it says when the devil uh, comes in, he said the pause is there like a flood, God. Like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. And even if it doesn't have the pause, even if it doesn't say that, that's what my God is like. That's what he's like. That's what his character is like. That's what his personality is like. That is what his love is like. Listen to this real quick. I want to tell you this real quick. If you get a bunch of people together and you tell them, I want you to take a piece of paper out and I want you to write down God and, and you know, and, and the devil. You go, God and the devil. And ask people, what do you think about who the devil is? Now, I've, I've corrected a lot of people about this over the years, so I don't get it much anymore. But can you imagine that someone would write that the devil is the opposite of God? Could you imagine that someone might write that, right? Because it makes logical sense that someone might write, well, he's the opposite of God. Well, I'm going to explain something to you. That is not true. Listen, if he were the opposite of God, you would have perfect good versus perfect evil, and neither one of them would ever win. Stop applying worldly logic to what you know about Father. When the devil was kicked out of heaven, Jesus did not even rise from his seat. Are you hearing me? It did not take, God didn't have to turn to his son and say, I want you to go get him and boot him out of here. Do you know who booted Lucifer out of heaven? Michael and Gabriel. Now, why is that important? God told Michael and Gabriel to get him out of here and they booted him out. Angels booted Lucifer out, not God. They're the ones that manhandled him, if that's what you want to call it. Took him and arrested him and threw him out. Now, why is that important? The devil is not the opposite of God. He's the opposite of Michael or the opposite of Gabriel. That's all. That's all he is. Stop glorifying the devil in your life. Stop glorifying the attacks on your life from him. They're, they're not without cause. They're not without reason. You know, and if you're going to have attacks on your life, have them for the good reason of doing something good for God. All right? That's enough pause right there. Amen? All right. All right. Uh, look, it's only when people are becoming dangerous to the enemy of our souls that he needs to try to fight what's going on. Does that make sense to you? All I can tell you is I had a different sermon ready to go. And God said, do this. How many of you know that when God says do this, you don't want to get caught doing that? Amen? All right. So, when these attacks are coming in my life, what can I do? Put the first point up. Understand the spiritual nature of the attack. First and foremost, you need to understand that when you come under attack, that it is a spiritual in source and nature. Many times we're tempted to look at the circumstances or people and view them as enemies. They may be tools of the enemy, but the enemy is spiritual and not physical. Look at the person next to you and say, you are not my enemy. 
that's important. That's important because some people decide that in a, you know, a pew on the other side of the church or whatever, yeah, that's my enemy. No, that's not your enemy. That's not your enemy. The devil's your enemy. Your enemy is not people, finances, or obstacles of those kinds. They're not. The cause is a spiritual agenda that wants to stop you from doing the things you're doing that is infringing on the kingdom of darkness. God Help us today in the name of Jesus to see how much damage we're doing to the kingdom of darkness. Have you ever been tempted to think, man, Anchorage is one messed up place, you know? I mean, the powers of darkness are really kicking it around here. Folks, let me tell you, if we don't get a hold of the fact that we have the name of Jesus that's been given to us and that we bind together in that name, we do great damage to the powers of darkness in this city. That's why the devil gets so freaking upset whenever we start praying. And by the way, by the way, listen to me carefully. This is a grand time to tell you this. Once again, I know there's a lot on the agenda. There's a lot on the plate, a lot on the calendar. You don't have to come to everything but there's going to be plenty for you to choose from. We have a prayer meeting, first Saturday of the month in the morning, right? We're going to add just, just one for now. All right, don't get excited. We're going to add one on an evening during the week. And the one on Saturday morning is a little structured, and, and the one at night is going to be a little structured too, but let me tell you what the one at night is going to be for. If you have a need, you come. You're going to get oil on your forehead you're going to get anointed and some strong believers are going to lay hands on you and pray for you we're going to go after god for you right we're going to do that all right that's that's what that prayer means thank you all three of you i appreciate that thank you <laughs> no, i'm just giving you a hard time look look you you think to yourself wow something else on the calendar no give it a try give this a try you know what you you'll find yourself facing things sometimes you'll go oh no um that Tuesday night, that, that's prayer night. I can go there. I can get with believers. I can be anointed, and I can be prayed for, and we can deal with this thing. All right? Going to be exciting. All right? Now, put the second point up for me, Nathan. Use spiritual weapons against the attack. Next, you need to understand that the weapons of our warfare are never physical, but they are spiritual, Right? 2 Corinthians 10, 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to, to diminish strongholds? No, to destroy strongholds. All right? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. If you're going to fight a spiritual battle, you have to use the weapons that work in that realm. And worrying ain't one of them. Being in fear ain't one of them. Doubt, fear, and unbelief aren't three of them. All right? Now, let me tell you what they are, because they're not always fun. All right? These weapons are prayer, fasting, and the word of God. The triple, the triple threat, right, to the powers of darkness. Prayer, fasting, and the word of God. Now, you're talking to a guy that's five foot eight, and I used to weigh 278 pounds. All right? So how many of you know I had some room for fasting in my life, right? All right. When you are in a spiritual battle, you need to increase your prayer time, not diminish it, not shrink it. You need to increase your prayer time, 
And I wrote this nicely, skip some meals. Now, isn't that a nice way to put it? <laughs> skip some meals, right? All right? So it doesn't mean go on a 40-day fast. It, it means skip some meals. And it means that if you're going to skip the meal, the time that you were going to eat, you spend it in prayer in lieu of, right? You're not just going hungry. There's a purpose to it, right? You're going to produce something in the spiritual realm. While you're not eating, you pray. Praying for 30 minutes is not that hard to do, all right? So when you're in a spiritual battle, you need to increase your prayer time, skip some meals, and get into the Word of God, all right? For both direction and the building of your faith. Because what's happening? Your faith's under attack. It's your faith he's trying to grab out by the roots, right? Don't let him have it. Make it stronger. Just go deeper, right? Just go deeper. Don't try to win this battle with human reasoning and methods. They don't, they don't work. You can't figure it out. Quit trying to figure it out, all right? All right. Let the Lord win this battle for you. Let the Holy Spirit lift up the battle standard against him. Now, I love it from the King James Version where it says God will raise up a standard against him. This was an old English warfare term. And it's a flag that they would raise, a standard that they would raise, where they wanted to let everybody on the battlefield know that standard moved to that standard. Ride a fast horse is what the phrase said. Ride a fast horse and come to that standard because that's where the stand was going to be taken. And God is going to raise that standard rally to it. Don't run away from it. Don't let fatigue keep you from getting there. Fight to get there in the name of Jesus and rally around that standard. And what is that standard? Prayer, fasting, and the word of God. And, and God raises that standard by making that stuff alive to you and purposeful. You're not just going hungry. You're not just reading words. You're reading a book that comes to life. Amen? Let the Holy Spirit lift the battle standard against him. The Hebrew word for that is nuic, N-U-W-C. It means to fly to the attack on horseback. It means move fast. Don't hesitate. Move as quickly as you can to the standard. Amen? To the standard, all right? Sorry, so let the Holy Spirit be the one that lifts up that standard that repels the enemy. Got to let God do it. I'm telling you, you know, what did, what did the angel say when Satan wanted to steal the body of Moses? He said, the Lord rebuke you. You know what? We're not trying to do any of this rebuking on our own. We've got the name of Jesus. Because I'm telling you something, you're right on anything beside the name of Jesus, you're asking for trouble. Right? It's his reputation. It's his name. It's his action, his death on the cross, his resurrection, him ascending to the Father, him being seated at the right hand of the Father. Right? All right, third point, don't give up before the battle's over. One of the greatest temptations and mistakes that I've faced has been when I had given up when things were getting their worse. Hey, I'm just telling you, 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 you know, surely you're not sitting there thinking Pastor Dennis has never, never really been through it, never been in the heat of the battle or never failed. Well, you're sadly mistaken. You failed in your thinking. <laughs> because I've made my share of mistakes. I have sinned more than my share of sin. And that's what I call it, sin. I don't call it really, you know, mistakes are mistakes, but sin, sin. 
Amen? All right? Thank God for grace. Thank God for his word. Thank God for the shed blood of Jesus. Amen? And thank God we serve a Lord uh, of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. But you know what? Sooner or later, he does have an expectation that we'll grow up. Amen? All right. Wow. I've learned that many times the battle rages the fiercest when the victory is almost won. See, there's an advantage that the devil has over you. And I'll tell you what it is. He sees in the spiritual realm. He sees your help coming before you do. That's why he, he, he thinks I've got to take him out now because if that gets to him or her, we're doomed. We're finished. The, they, this fight's over. All right? So that's the advantage he has over you. You just hang on. You just get tenacious like a bulldog, right? You clamp down and you hold on because help's coming, right? Especially when you see the, the, the tide of the thing getting worse, right? Just know and say to yourself, soon the sun will rise on my problem. Now listen to this. We know that the devil goes around like a roaring lion, not a whipped puppy. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 9. I only needed one verse, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to get some truth here before and after. In verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. There's nothing new here, right? Just got to hang on. You got to be tenacious, amen? Now, notice this. He goes around like a roaring lion. Compared to the Lion of Judah, he is toothless. He got no bite. Got no real bite. All right? He, he runs around hoping you'll think he's a lion, but he's not a lion. Don't give the devil more credit than is due him. Yeah, he's an adversary that, that we could have an element of respect for, but he's defeated. He's defeated. That, that excites me to know in. I'm just going to back up for a minute and raise my hand to the Lord. I just get, I'm just going to get happy all by myself. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to get happy all by myself. I'm not by myself, though, am I? No, I know I'm not. So we're not going to give up before the battle's over. The devil's looking to devour you. So when things get hot, when they get tough, when they get scary, don't give up. Your Redeemer draws near. It's just like seeing a map. You never opened up your, you know, I, I've got Friend Finder uh, device on my watch and, and on my phone. And if I want to know where Ruthie is, if she's on her way home, you know, because I like to cook supper. I like to have things for her ready when she gets, I'll pitch that button. I'll do this and something spins. I don't know what it does. Nathan gave it to me. And, and all of a sudden, boom, Ruthie is five minutes from the house or she's 30 minutes from the house or she's still at the school. I know where she's at, right? Treat that thing in your life where you see the battle just went up a notch. Know that the Holy Ghost is nearby. 
with the answer to your problem. Amen? And it's about to be manifest in your life. Just like you had friend finder, and it says, ooh, the Holy Ghost is right there. Amen? And let it boost your faith. Let it boost your faith. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. This is an important passage of Scripture. We have referred to it a lot lately. I want to drill it into you. Paul said, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. How many of you would like to be being blessed by God so greatly that God was blessing you with such revelations that the devil assigned a demon to just attack you and attack you and attack you? and try to stop you from receiving these revelations. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Am I, so was I making it up? What I, I wasn't making it up, it's the word of God, right? A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, keep the revelations coming, is what he says. Don't cut them off. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you understand that Paul's not talking about having a bad Monday here? There were times when he was starved. There were times when he was beaten. There were times when he was shipwrecked. There were times when he was praying in places like the island of Malta, and God healed every sick person on the island except him. He was the only one that didn't get healed. And he said, I revel in that. I relish in that. Keep the revelations coming. The grace of God is sufficient. Understand that the battle may cost you. Amen? Most of us have a concept of a lossless victory. As in warfare in the physical realm, listen to me carefully because preachers do not tell you this part in America. They don't do it. As in warfare in the physical realm, war costs lives and resources. So too in the spiritual realm, it may cost you. Now listen carefully to me. It may cost you. That is the price of taking up your cross and following Jesus. I don't care if you go to the Alaska Fitness Club every day and you're buff and you work out and you've got a great physique, and you can run five miles or 25 miles. I don't care. Taking up a cross has its taxing drain on anybody. See, in America, preachers don't talk much about taking up your cross. No, because that's unpleasant. You don't want to say anything unpleasant. You would think that I would want to be... Oh, I went to Dale Carnegie's course on winning friends and influencing people. So I'm not going to upset the, the 30 to 50 people in the church. I'm not going to. No, I love you like Jesus loved the, the rich man 
you know, that came to him and knelt his feet. And what must I do to be saved? He said, good teacher. And he goes, why are you calling me good? There's nobody good but the Father. He said, then he asked him about some of the Ten Commandments, some of the most important ones. And the man said, I've done these from my youth. And it tears me up when I read those words that Jesus looked down at him and he loved him. Jesus loved the rich young ruler and he loved him enough to tell him the truth. You lack one thing. Go, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come back to me and follow me. And he left sad for he had great possessions. He was not willing to take up his cross and follow Christ. He just wasn't willing to. You take up your cross, it's going to exact a price. But Jesus Christ will be with you. And there's nothing you can't face. There's nothing you can't do. Nothing you can't get through. Amen? So the Apostle Paul is an excellent example of how spiritual warfare cost him. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He was left for dead. He starved. All of these things were the cost of the war that the enemy brought against him. Thank God he persevered. What would we call the New Testament today if it wasn't for Paul? But he learned a crucial lesson in all of it that he recorded for us when I've already read to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Nathan put the takeaway up there. I called it in my notes, the great takeaway. But we dropped the word great because it was getting wordy. Allow Christ to be your strength when the enemy comes in like a flood. Allow Christ to be your strength when the enemy comes in like a flood. You know what that is? You want to call that? Quality decision. You got to make a quality decision. You got to face it. And you got to decide what you're going to do. Are you going to quit? When it gets up that hot in the kitchen, you're just going to quit? Or are you going to make a quality decision to allow God to help you? Now, I don't, I ain't going to stand here and tell you I knew who this sermon was for, but I know it was for somebody because God changed my direction. Somebody here, and you know what, I'd say that. I will tell you this, that the Holy Spirit's checking me right now and telling me, oh, it's not just one. <laughs> it's not just one, and it doesn't matter whether it tells me who it is or not, right? Anyone can benefit from this message, anybody, right? Anyone who will listen, right? Some of you, though, were on the verge of quitting. You ain't told anybody. You ain't told anybody, you know. Um, it gets hard. It gets hard. I don't have to tell you that. If you're facing it right now, if you're standing in front of that furnace and they've stoked that thing up and it's gotten so hot it killed the people that stoked it and, and you're about to be tossed into it, you can't tell me that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego you know what I'm saying? That they, they, they hadn't made a quality decision because they're standing there and people are dropping dead. They're not even in the furnace yet. You know what I'm saying? You may be in the furnace room. I, I close my eyes sometimes and I think about that. Those three guys standing there and that furnace is burning hot and there are dead people standing in front of it, not in it. 
people have dropped dead from the heat coming off the furnace. And you know, they, they get in there. Somehow they get in there, right? And the king looks in there and sees four people. Four. And one looked like the Son of God, right? Jesus said, come on, boys, let's take a walk, right? You know? And, and, and they went in there, and, and the only thing that burned was what? Somebody tell me, what burned? Their bonds, or their, their ropes. They were tied up. And the only thing that burned were the ropes. And when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. God help us. God help us. Amen? And, and, and listen. What, what if you thought, wait a minute, you know, the three of them got together and said, you know what, boys, that furnace, I've seen that furnace. <laughs> you know, and that thing gets hot, and they're going to throw us in there. We need to change our minds. You know, my wife and I have prayed together, and we've talked about the last days. My wife and I have talked about the last days of this planet Earth, and we're already formulating a plan with God. If we're going through it, We've talked about what the Bible says you'll face and what we'll do as a married couple. Do you understand what I'm saying? Got to be a plan. Amen? To stick with God. Got to stick with God. Amen? So let me tell you this. Anything you're facing today is not comparable to that. Amen? Now, look, I, I'm... I've, you know, people argue about when the rapture is going to take place. I, I just know I'm going to go, whether it's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, out of trib, or whatever. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? One second I'm going to be here, and the next second I'm not going to be here. And the things I leave behind will be piled in the floor. <laughs> Amen? Let's go. Amen?